4: touchdown.
0: Fell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown.
4: Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. There was contact with the quarterback,
0: and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in.
1: he hit immediately he got the handoff,
4: you know what? <laughs> the q Oh my gosh. Listen,
3: thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time for another off-season review, this time with the man that I like to call the godfather of Jets podcasts. He, of course, hosts, there's always next year with his buddies, Josh Conrad and Travis Milton here on Play Like a Jet, Mr. Brian Bassett, the founder of the JetsBlog.com. Brian, thanks so much for coming back on, man.
1: Always. I always love talking to you, Scott, and getting a chance to talk to this audience. Thank you. I'm excited.
3: It's always a pleasure to talk to you one-on-one. As much as I love Travis and Josh, I didn't get a sermon (laughs) beforehand from Josh or a drunken ramble from Travis. That Mm -hmm. is what you guys do best together, and the mixture is great because you get that chemistry of you're the one leading everything, but then you've got the good guy, Josh, and Travis is a bit of the outlaw. So it's sort of like, I don't want to say... Dukes of Hazard meets the Odd Couple, but that kind of feels like what it is, right? Yeah, no, that's pretty good,
1: right? <laughs> if, um, yeah, I, I like that. If, if Felix Unger was was hanging out with Bo and Luke Duke, I think that's pretty fair. That's pretty
3: fair. So <laughs> that's why I like the show, and that's why I'm hoping that you guys are gonna kick it into full gear soon. I know that you, know, you take a little bit of time I'm off. Chasing the them,
1: I'm chasing them. These guys, you know, they're so they're so busy. They're such you know they're such big timers now. Like it's hard to get them uh get them in one place but yeah we'll 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 post something in the next couple of weeks cuz we got to we got to get back on it i mean season starting the season is happening regardless of whether sta fans are in the stand the season is happening so yeah we got to we got to get moving
3: season's going to be happening with some new faces so let's start by talking about the NFL draft What did you think of the first pick, number 11, Makai Becton? Very large man. I know that Travis was excited because he's an offensive line guy. Did you think that this was the right pick? Obviously, they had the opportunity to take Tristan Wirfs if they wanted, but went with Becton instead. There was also talk that they had a trade-up worked out with the Jaguars, so they could have moved up to nine and taken Jedrick Wills from Alabama if they chose to do that, but instead they take Becton at 11. What What'd you think?
1: I thought it was a great move, right? They, they stayed put. There were a number of players who were still on the board uh, in terms of offensive line. I think going into the draft, I thought, well, you know, if, if a number of the top offensive line players get wiped off the board by the time they pick, then yeah, trade back or, or whatever. I, I, I'm rarely a fan of moving up. I, I think it will over history. We'll see that the the move with Darnold was, was a good move. Um, Uh, you know, the Jets, I believe they did it with Darrell Rivas back in the day, too. So, like, they've had some history of trading up and trading well. Um, But in terms of Becton, right, Wirfs was still there, available. And I think the early concerns about a guy like Becton is that, you know, he he was at a smaller school. Um, He certainly has all the physical gifts, but is he capable of, you know, being – a Jonathan Odgen, Odgen type, or, you know, just some kind of great player, you know, Orlando Pace, or is he a flop, right? Like I think the, the big concern that people will point to when you look at a player like Becton is he has a really high ceiling, really high ceiling, but his floor is lower of the possible outcomes is lower than a place like, uh, than a player like Tristan Worfs And so while Worfs might have a more narrow range of outcomes in terms of he might be a better you know, player, but he won't have the, the high heights necessarily. So I think the jets having taken a number of players through free agency uh, on the offensive line, I think they felt like, Hey, let's, let's swing from our heels here and, you know, see if we can crush this one. And so, so, I mean, I think he'll be a good player. I think he'll play a, be a player on this team for a long time. I mean, immediately they named him as the left tackle, you know, he's got that nasty streak. So, I really like his addition and kind of with the players that they added to the unit. I certainly think he's set up early in his career to have more success than he might have if they made no moves in free agency and just picked him and he was kind of on an island in the left tackle. Or maybe if they hadn't made some of the other moves, you know, they, they push him to right tackle to kind of ease him in. But uh, it's a great pick. Um, I actually saw him play. I live in Richmond, Virginia, and I saw him play in high school. He went to high school here in the region. And I, mean, I mean, he was a mountain of a man even then. <laughs> so, so I'm excited to see him, and it's kind of interesting to kind of, you know, back to the future, um, you know, this, this guy. I kind of didn't realize until I started reading and I was like, oh, I remember. Yeah, yeah I saw him play Varina High School. And it's like It was just interesting to see. Um, Yeah, it's a it's a great pick. I I, I like it. And but I think ultimately, like it'll it'll prove out well. And one would hope Joe Douglas would know what kind of a player to look for when it comes to offensive tackles
3: in the second round. Joe Douglas traded down from 48 to 59 to pick the guy that I know you love because we've had conversations about it. (laughs) I tried to (laughs) pour cold water on this for you, Brian, because everything Mm. I was hearing was that he was going to go in the first round, but he slipped all the way, not just to 48, but to 59 where the jets got him and picked up extra picks. You must've been through the roof, right?
1: Oh man. Yeah. I mean, when they traded back, I was livid. I was so mad. I was frustrated. I'm like, he's there. You had him in your hands and you just dropped him. I thought there's no way he makes it, whatever it was, the eight picks that the, that the team moved back. Um, and lo and behold, he, he was still there. I will say, I think part of it has to do with the fact that now, uh, you know, Van Jefferson might wind up being a, a good player for the Rams. And his dad is the, is the wide receivers coach for the Jets. But, um, but like when Van Jefferson went, I, I just like, just kind of saw him as like a, uh, what do you call him? Like a, like a human shield, like Van Jefferson was the meat shield that allowed for the Jets to get Denzel Mims. And like, I was having conversations on Twitter with people like ridiculous conversations saying like, people were talking about rugs and I was like, I do not want. Rugs. I do not want him on this team. Like I'm sure he's a great athlete and a great person. He's just not the type of player that the Jets need. They need an alpha. And if anyone from uh, you know this this draft class is set up to be, um, you know, one of these kind of alpha type players, like Denzel Mims, is certainly among the players. Is he at a level like a CD Lamb or a Jerry Judy? No, no, of course not. But I think he it's not far to you know kind of put him in the the, the next tier. Um, I really like him a lot. So the fact that they got him at 59, I was elated. And I basically said, like, okay, Joe Douglas can now do no wrong for me. Um, the <laughs> biggest thing, and I think the biggest reason from what I hear about why he slipped was there were concerns about what he did in his junior year, when he broke his hand. And so his numbers weren't as great as they were. And then, you know, the signal on receivers and running backs, particularly skill position players is if you make it all the way through your senior year, um, that's kind of a knock on you. Like if you've, if you've played all the way through as a senior at those positions, that's more a cause for concern. Um, because those players tend to play so well and there's so much excitement about them. They can come out early and still have success in the NFL. So Mims is a little bit on the older side, but everything about him, everything you read about him uh, in terms of the senior bowl and everything was, you know, he was, he was the lead dog at the senior bowl. Like he was the alpha, you know, there, he was the guy setting the, the tempo and the pace. And the guy who did that last year was Debo Samuel. So, you know, and then Cooper cup a couple of years before that. So these guys that are kind of the seniors who kind of make it, but then they really show up at the senior bowl. Like they have a couple marks against them because, okay, you know, they didn't come out early and all that sort of thing. And production wasn't great uh, for, for Mims as a junior, but I think ultimately the jets got a value. And so who knows, he might be, he might be a total bust. I don't think so. Based on his profile, based on how, um, you know how important he was to the Baylor offense, and I mean he comes right in. And who is he competing with? Rashad Perriman, Jamison Crowder. Like he's gonna see snaps from day one, and I think you know by year two, by year three, him working with Sam Darnold, like he's the perfect complement to what Sam Darnold needs. Sam Darnold is that you know Brett Farvian, Matt Staffordish kind of gunslinger type. And, you know, he, he likes to throw some dangerous throws. And I think Mims as a 50, 50 ball kind of player, you know, he's going to go up and get those balls or he's going to fight for those. And so that's going to be, that's going to be fun to watch. I'm very excited to watch that for the next three, four years.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment.
2: no purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Jets had two picks in the third round, Brian. And one of them was a safety that I think a lot of people didn't expect the Jets to pick. That's Ashton Davis out of Cal. And then the second pick was an edge rusher, but not the guy that a lot of us thought. They got Jabari Zaniga out of Florida. What'd you think of these two picks? Both of them on defense in a draft where a lot of people expected the Jets to go offense early and often.
1: Yeah, Ashton Davis was—he uh, was definitely a surprise to me. Um, I didn't know much about him, uh, kind of prior, but you know he looks like a player that can come in, and I don't know if he would immediately become the starter, but I could quickly see him um, coming in and being a center fielder type. Um, for Greg Williams and to allow, and because he's got some some pretty good speed, some good wheels, even though he's a little bit older, I think he's already twenty three years old. He will allow uh, Prez to do more of what Prez is so good at, which is you know moving up around the line of scrimmage, more the Palomalu type type role disruptor, extra linebacker. Um, can can certainly drop in coverage or you know run with a tight end, but um, I think. His presence and his range will only allow Prez to do more of what he can do. Um, obviously, you know we've got to see what he's like in training camp and that sort of thing. But, but uh, it's it's a move where I I think it signals uh, the end, the beginning of the end for for a guy like May. And certainly, they're not going to rush it to happen. But when you see a player like that drafted where he was the signal is clear that, you know, they're looking for the person to come in after after May and, and take over that role from him.
3: And what about Jabari Zaniga?
1: You know, it's funny because I think he's he's an interesting player. I think he's a value kind of where they got him. He, yeah, he certainly seems like a little bit out of left field. And I know that from <laughs> talking to a lot of people, there's concerns about going and getting another Florida Gator uh, edge rusher <laughs> but he seems like he's, you know, he's equipped and kind of ready to come in. And I think he'll, he'll be a contributor. I don't necessarily think he'll be a starter from day one, but, uh, but he's certainly in kind of a, you know, pass rush package, you know, could be a very interesting player, at least initially for the team. And then depending on how he does, you know, maybe they ramp up his snaps, but yeah, I, I liked the pick. Um, I just, I wasn't, um, uh, I I think I just had a little bit of that. Oh no, here we go again with another Florida Gator edge rusher. But I quickly moved past that. I think he'll be a good kind of you know special teamer and uh, package player at least initially for the team.
3: In the fourth round, the Jets ended up having three picks. The first one was another Florida Gator. This was Lamichael P. Ryan, the running back. Then they went out and got a quarterback. I think that one stunned mm-hmm. just about everybody. They got Captain Morgan out of Florida International. And then the third pick in the fourth round was Cam Clark, the offensive tackle who projects to be an offensive guard in the pros out of UNC Charlotte. Got a lot of attention after manhandling a lot of the players on Clemson. Obviously, when you're able to do that, that's going to turn some heads mm-hmm. because Clemson's got one of the best teams in all of college football. So what you think of these three picks, P Pirine, Everybody knew they were gonna get a running back, but I think a lot of people expected a speed back. Is that what you were expecting? Did the quarterback surprise you? And what did you think of Cam Clark? That's a massive man, perhaps another mm. bookend to put there with Mikai Becton.
1: Yeah, um I, I really thought this was yeah, it was an interesting round, as you said. Like I when they drafted Pirine, I thought I, I almost and then and then I should say like thereafter when they when they uh, signed Frank Gore, I was thinking, oh man, like, is this a prelude to, (laughs) to getting rid of Le'Veon Bell? And I'm not sure, but um, the thing I would say about P Ryan is like, he's an interesting player and Adam Gase certainly has a type. I don't think it's necessarily the type that I would look for in running back. And I think it's because of the scheme. Uh, You know, he likes these players that have, kind of the vision that have a little bit of burst and who can, you know, catch balls out of the backfield. And, you know, that's LaMichael P. Ryan. like he's not looking always for the, um, you know, for the, the speediest player or, you know, the guy, like you, the kind of classic profile for a, for a running back, is like you—you you want the guy who runs the fastest forty and has like the highest speed score, which is a combination of um, body mass index and uh, kind of combined with with their forty. So, like you want that guy. So, like Derrick Henry, like off the charts in terms of in terms of his uh, speed score. Like that's kind of the telling statistic. For whatever reason, Adam Gase doesn't. Um, doesn't truck with that. Like that's not the way he builds his running backs and his backfields. Like he wants more like the guys who have the vision, who have that kind of one cut and then boom, they're off to the races. Um, so he values some other things. And like, you saw that like with again and again in his time, uh, when he was in Denver and in his time when he was in Miami, like just, that's kind of how he does things. So, uh, I don't think P. Ryan is more than a backup or kind of a satellite back type player. Like he certainly has the size at 216 to be able to be used in goal line situations. He just doesn't have that breakaway speed that you want to see. Um, so he's certainly a role player, but I don't know that he'll ever be a NFL long-term starter. Uh, so, so yeah, in terms of him, you know, it's fine pick. Uh, there was other players I probably would have been more interested in, in terms of Morgan, right? I mean, the Jets need to find. You know, Mike Tannenbaum used to always say, "If you have, you should always be drafting a quarterback every year." Um, it's kind of out of the Elliot Wolf school of these are players that, if they're valuable, you, they can come in and be part of your system. Uh, they can be backups, right? They can they can help. You know, where if if the the need calls, or they could be players that you can flip to other teams for you know other assets down the road. For a fourth round pick, the Jets do need a young long term backup that can come in and know their role behind Sam Darnold. Um, and certainly, I think he's a player who could uh, fit that role. I'm not exactly you know sure if he'll stick with the team though. Right? That's you know, that's the other side of it. Like, when you look at his, you know, his collegiate abilities, like, he didn't break out early. Um, he didn't have a great, like, yards per attempt. Like, he, he didn't have a super high college quarterback rating. So why are you dipping into a school like Florida International for a player that wasn't even that impressive? Um, you know, most closely comps to Tom Savage, right? Like, why, why are we why are we wasting a fourth round? pick on that so I didn't love that move but I understand they're you know searching for for someone over time to put behind Sam Darnold so so fine and then uh Cam Clark right love that move I don't know if he'll be a be able to be a uh a tackle in the NFL I mean we'll see I think you know t- time will tell and the Jets will, will have the ability to 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 play that out. But um, he seems like the type of player at that point in the draft that could be best used as a interior kind of phone booth type player, Um, use him as a nasty guard and, uh, you know, let him kind of set the pace for the running game, you know, with with some of the other players that that the team got. But right. I, you know, I think they're just at that point kind of layering strength on strength, which I like to see because, as we've talked about so many times, Scott, like the offensive line has been so barren for so long. I'm just glad that we we're gonna have players, you know, eight, nine deep at that position that, you know, are legitimately able to be pushed into starting roles.
3: Cornerback position hasn't fared much better than the offensive line over the last couple of years. And they did make a big addition in this draft. Bryce Hall, the cornerback from Virginia I know that Travis, who is a (laughs) UVA homer, was going crazy about this one. I've been talking to him about it, and he couldn't be happier. This is somebody who could have very easily gone in the first or second round last year, and certainly Jets fans would have been fine with him being a third or fourth rounder this time around. Instead, they get him in the fifth because of the injury. This seems like a potential major steal. What do you think?
1: Well, I think it had a little bit uh and i said this on our podcast like it had shades of like the bless austin pick from a year ago like when the jets drafted Blason austin in 2019 i remember thinking about that pick you know what if this like because he was coming off some injuries from his time at rutgers and and, and like i also remembered the jets did something similar with dexter mcdougal which never really worked out um and but they chose mcdougal it Idzik chose McDougal in the third round, maybe fourth round. And I remember at that point thinking like, well, that's an odd move to make that early for a player that like might not even play this year. Um, So when I saw bless Austin get picked last year, I said, okay, I like this. It's sixth round, fifth round, sixth round. It's the right time to pick a player like this that might never contribute in in that, in the year they were drafted in bless Austin's case, 2019, obviously, he came back a lot quicker from people thought off that injury. He played well, um, you know, when he was able to get into, into practice and into, into camp, that sort of thing, and, you know, played so well that he was a major part of why that defensive unit really came together at the end of the year. Um, so you have a guy like Bless Austin who has kind of set the tone the Jets being able to find one of those value players coming off injury later. And so I I kind of have the feeling that in choosing Bryce Hall, the Jets, now I understand it was, you know, uh, not exactly the same GM or not the same GM from last year to this year, but you get the sense that there's a little bit of playing with last year's house money on that and they're trying it again. Um, And so if you're going to do it, do it with a player like Bryce Hall, I mean, all of my friends who are uva football fans are like oh man you got that that player's great like he's a great leader he's a great locker room guy, guy's great great talent you know terrible injury um but you know coming back off that like you know he he could be a real good find for your team um so you have that right travis obviously loves him um and yeah like the jets desperately need to find cornerbacks and if they if if bless and um and Bryce aren't the guys going forward, like they're going to have to invest some high round draft capital next year or spend a lot of money in free agency. And we know what spending in free agency has got them in the past. So I think the Jets are trying to get ahead of their needs and they're hoping that, you know, between bless and Bryce here, like these guys can kind of start to create some cornerstones for that group, which Is has just desperately needed. So I'm excited. I'm excited to watch him play and kind of you know come into come into this team. He's you know great size. Um, you know he 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 could be he could be a very interesting player for this team. And man, if you get him and he's a good player, you get him locked up with Bless like you know that for a number of years would be like a low dollar position because those guys were later round draft players and they don't, you know, get to free agency for a while. Like they could really mine some value out of that and be, you know, doubling down in other positions where they still need lots of help.
3: And the other thing with Bryce Hall's that while there are some parallels to bless Austin, obviously, as you were pointing out, Bryce Hall had major college production that Bless Austin did not have because Bless Austin had the Mm. injuries and barely played at Rutgers. So it almost feels like with Austin, it was a dart throw. Whereas with Hall, this is a calculated Mm. gamble, something you like to see from Joe Douglas.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very interested. I'm, I'm excited about that. And right. If it works out, then great. They don't have to spend a ton, you know, they don't have to you know, spend a first and a second rounder on on cornerbacks next year, um, but if it does work out, like great. Then you still use a second rounder. Like that was the problem going into the draft for the Jets. Going into free agency and the draft was they needed desperately to upgrade their offensive line and cornerback positions and others too. But you know they they clearly paved the way on the offensive line uh through through the free agency and then the draft and now they're able to kind of you know focus elsewhere on kind of more targeted position groups so it's it's a good start it's a good start by joe douglas we still have one more player to talk about right that was drafted by the
3: jets we certainly do well we actually have two because they took one of their draft picks and traded it for a player so we might as well throw that in because it kind of counts as a draft pick right we had Bryce Hall at cornerback, and then another cornerback would end up on the Jets. With the 211th pick, they flipped it to Indianapolis to get Quincy Wilson, who back in 2017 was the second-round pick. Didn't pan out there, but still plenty of upside and young enough where you get him for a year. Hopefully, he works out in Greg Williams' system. If not, you send him packing, but for the cost of the 211th pick... No big deal And then of course The player that you're alluding to Manish Mehta's favorite player now Braden Mann The punter out of Texas A&M Kid's got a hell of a leg on him. What'd you think of this one? Because there are some people that think you should never, ever use picks on punters and kickers. I'm not in that category. I think if you use a sixth or seventh round pick on a punter or kicker that you feel could be the solution for the next 10 to 15 years, let's say, that's fine. Because sixth or seventh round, you're typically looking at guys that may or may not even stick on the roster. If they do, they're probably going to be part-time players. And we've seen what poor punting and poor kicking yes. can do. So if you've got a guy that you think can be the solution there, why not? So what do you think, Braden Man and Quincy Wilson coming the Jets with that two hundred eleventh pick in that trade?
1: Yeah, uh, um, Quincy Wilson. Yeah, I, right. I think as you said, it's it's an upside play. You know, by the time you know, think of it as like a you know like a curve, right? You see these kind of you know charts and kind of curves and things, kind of you know they exponentially grow like or maybe they logarithmically fall off or whatever the likelihood of a first rounder hitting very high the likelihood of a seventh round or sixth rounder hitting very low right so at that point like the the name of the game for smart organizations is play smart with your early picks find guys that are gonna you know fill needs you know be long-term starters for the organization where you're de-risking it as much as possible, right? So in other words, don't be the Oakland Raiders. Just whatever the Oakland Raiders would do, like just don't do that and you'll be fine. So that's what you need to do with your early picks with your later picks. That's when you're looking for these like super athletic or super accomplished players that maybe they're, you're not so sure, but if they work out, they're going to work out well for your organization, right? So you're increasing your chances and the likelihood that it's going to happen anyway is, is minimal. So, so yeah. So the point of like flipping it for a guy like, who you know had the draft capital, you know had the consensus that was a second round pick has been through kind of a wash in terms of he was you know part of the Chuck Pagano um, 2017 you know Indianapolis Colts organization right like there's what are you going to get for that pick anyway like you might as well take it for a guy who understands the league who has some sort of credential or draft capital around where they were originally drafted and right if it works out great and if it doesn't no big deal because the player you were going to pick in the sixth round or seventh round or whatever, probably not going to work out anyway. So yeah. So when people like they kind of get on this high horse, as you said, like I think you're taking the right approach, which is a nuanced approach around um, uh, man and, uh, and uh, you know, using, using draft picks on skill position players. When, when what we've seen is like what I, what I can't abide anymore, Scott, is a player who punts a ball, 20 yards out of bounds, like in a dome. Like I I just, I can't do that anymore. Right. Like where, like we need field Mm -hmm. position, right. This team isn't so good that they can just afford to turn the ball over and like flip the field to the other team because their punter is just not getting it done. Um, and like, we've been through the mill on that basically since Ben Graham, like, I don't know, like, (laughs) I can't even remember like since then, um, So you get a guy who was what a Ray guy winner, like two years ago, Um, you know, basically was instrumental to his team, like flipping the field when he was in college. Um, And right. Like at that point, like, what are you going to do? You're going to take a linebacker that you're going to cut at the end of camp. No, like to your point, like this is a guy who could be with the organization five, 10 years. So you might as well get a player who's accomplished who can have real value, like who clearly, if you go watch the YouTube videos of this guy loves to tackle, like loves to get his nose dirty. Like that's great. And then also like could be the, um, you know, the, the kickoff specialist too. So like there's, there's extra value that they're trying to mine there and they're trying to build around their kind of special teams program because it's been terrible. Like what you don't do is a year after you go to the playoffs and you miss a field goal, draft a second-round kicker. Like, that's what you don't do. But, like, what the Jets did here in drafting Bradley Mann late in the draft, totally cool to do. Don't use a second-round pick on that guy, though.
3: Ah, yes. Memories of that famous second-round pick of Mike Nugent, the place kicker, out of Ohio State in the second round in the 2005 draft. The sad thing is, of course that Mike Nugent was probably one of the better second-round picks that the Jets have had over the last 15 years. Start thinking about Vlad Dukas, Christian Hackenberg, Devin Smith. It's mostly been a litany of horrors. They did have the occasional good pick in the second round. Marcus May comes to mind, David Harris certainly, but they have not been very lucky in the second round recently. Hopefully the fact that they picked a punter in the sixth round rather than a kicker in the second round will pay off better dividends for them than Mike Nugent did in 2005. And that'll wrap up part one of our off-season review. We'll be back tomorrow to finish this up with part two. In the meantime, follow Brian on Twitter at Brian underscore Bassett. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that. Would really be grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and Turn on the
2: With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
4: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the
2: limo and we lost track of time.
4: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.